Laid off the boards and brought out at center ice now by Bozak. Miner back to Bozak in front of the net. That reads thing. And a big save. Another save. Johnson scores. The Leafs have opened the scoring. And it's Mitch Miner. What a roller coaster of emotions, guys. Um. Mitch Marner puts the release on the board quick, one nothing. Then, you know, we get a nice little lead. And then everything starts to go downhill, and we blow a two-goal lead. Um, you know, it's funny because entering the first period, it was an all-time high, and then Justin Williams said this to Scott Oak. Board, but the uh, disparity in playoff experience very much in favor of the Caps was not evident in the first period, and I think everybody watching the period would say that your team was uh, tight with gusts up to nervous uh, to open this game. What did you think? I wouldn't say our bench was. Maybe the arena was, but, you know, you need to seriously pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> so I guess he was kind of right. We all should have pumped the brakes a little bit because clearly the Caps, they weren't worried. And who could blame him when you got Mr. Game 7 sniping goals? And by the end of the game, the ice was fully tilted. Would that be fair to say, guys? So yeah, definitely. Um, right from the first shift, like Ovechkin just comes in and nails Polak, and then everyone kind of just holds their seats and goes like, oh, boy, it's going to be this kind of series. And then, you know, turns around, Marner gets the Marner gets the go ahead goal and after then it ends up being well, well but definitely the definitely Washington showed their experience, you know, showed that definite um intimidation and took it to the Leafs and got the win. You know what kills me with them though is they looked awful to start the game. They were nervous, turnovers galore. It wasn't so much the goal like that Marner scored that was the icing on the cake. It was it was more so how poorly they were playing. Like it was not like Washington at all. Um, were you surprised by that, Dave, or did you expect them to be as tight as they looked? Well, I didn't expect them to be tight like that, but maybe it's just they. it was a feeling out period because many were saying that the first 10 minutes was supposed to be the best. One team was supposed to play their best hockey in the first 10 minutes, whether the Leafs or the Capitals. The Leafs came out buzzing and the Caps didn't. kind of doesn't surprise me. Veteran teams usually like to like the game to come to them they don't want to try to do too much right out of the gate and that's that's i guess the experience that washington has they know it's a marathon they don't want to give up too much early but they also want to make sure that they have the whole game to kind of gel get that chemistry going because it's a totally different animal in the playoffs we definitely saw that maybe i buried the lead here a bit because i think the overtime goal was obviously the headline of it all but there's a lot that happened on that play and was it more Martin Marinson not realizing how much time he had and trying to fling it up the boards, which turned into a turnover? Or was it Frederick Anderson not really seeing the puck? Like He, he whiffed on that one, I think, and he was huge tonight, but that one was bad. So who, who was worse on that OT goal, Marinson uh, or Anderson? Uh, I'll have to say it was a little bit of both. Um, it could be a little nitpicky to, to throw it all, out, all on Marinson. But even though he could he could uh, hit the puck a little harder and uh, and got it got it in deep, but if you look at the shot that that, that Wilson had, you no, know, it goes right over Anderson's glove, and Anderson is already down. So it kind of it's it's a little um um uh, kind of reminds you of the of like the um, in Anderson's beginning games where you used to get uh, beat high all the time. So. And to have and to have like out of all people, Tom Wilson, you know, the fourth liner from Toronto score, it's interesting. So I think I think Anderson definitely could have had that, but if Marincin clears it out, then you definitely don't have the opportunity. 
I mean, he had so much time behind that. I don't think he knew how much time he actually had. And all night, I know Babcock was trying to hide him, playing him like 12 to 15 minutes max, which which we expected, right? We expect him to fall somewhere in that 12 to 15 minute range. But man, when he was out there, did he not look awful, Dave? And I hate to pick on him because it's such an easy thing to do, but he he didn't look too great tonight, in my opinion. He looked like a player that has not played an NHL game in a month. Simple as that. Um, I mean, I could, I was probably expecting worse, which is which is just saying that it's like how could you expect worse? Like that last goal, I was expecting that sort of play the whole game because he's always a guy that when he gets the puck, he feels like the first decision is the first choice he has to do like whatever he has to do with the puck is what he has to do. He could have easily backhanded that puck around the other side because he had a bunch of Leafs on the other side. No, let's fling it up where there's probably... He saw the red sweat, and I think that got him frazzled and thinking he had to make the play really quickly. And that... I don't know why an NHL defenseman feels like throwing a puck up blindly is going to do any good. Never does. So, yeah, it definitely was not a... It was not a good game for him. And you, it showed with the amount of ice time he got. I mean, Hunwick played 26 minutes, and I think it was deservedly so. He played really well. Riley and Gardner both played a lot, deservedly so. And Roman Polak played a lot. Connor Carrick didn't play a lot, and that kind of puzzled me a little bit. But, I mean, Babcock was just rolling with those top, well, I guess you'd say the top four guys a bit more just based on the first game. But... Yeah, Marinson. It's it lo- it's just by listening to Babcock's comments after the game, sounds like he's not going to be coming out, which will probably disappoint some people. But maybe, maybe something changes from now until Saturday, and Zaitsev is able to get back in. But I, I don't think. No, no. You you heard Alexei Marchenko's music tonight. That's what you were hearing. <laughs> he's coming down the platform. He's running into the ring. Aww. It's. I hope. Bye bye, Marinson. I, I I would I think I'd appreciate that. I, I think. Yeah, I think Babcock was just after the game was just trying to keep the guy from losing all confidence. But even if he decides to put him back in, but I don't think he can go down that road again. Before game one tonight uh, at practice, he said it's up to Marinson if he wants to play in game two. And what he meant by that was it's up to his mental mindset and how he plays in game one. If he has the confidence, I, I don't think he had that tonight. Would that be fair to say, Omar? Oh yeah, you want to talk about confidence? Uh, look in the first period, he gets totally beat down by L by a Lars Eller took about five or six cross checks. So maybe that, maybe that, uh, that could be a reason of why uh, he made a, that bonehead mistake. You know, just a, just a typical thing that knocks him down, makes messes up his, his confidence. And then he thinks that he's Nathan Gerby when he's actually six, three instead of five, six. We've seen those soft plays of them those entire career. So you think eventually he would shed that label and uh, <laughs> fight back. Like, you know, I don't even know what it is anymore because he's so big. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's funny. When we first traded for him at the uh, NHL 2015 draft, uh, one of his criticisms was that he doesn't use his size um, to benefit him as a defenseman. And I guess we were all hoping that when he came over to the Leafs that he'd be able to to get to that higher level, to be more fierce, kind of like a Roman Polak. Even though Polak is is big, but Marinson's bigger. And, you know, to quote Mike Babcock, he has a long active stick. That sounds weird, but um, it's it, it it hasn't gotten to that point now, and 
I don't know. I don't know what Babcock can do. Marchenko is the more fierce defenseman. I think. I think he's more stronger and is uh, more willing to hit and throw throw his weight around. But from the comments that Babcock made at the end of the game, it looks like we'll see Marinchin in game two. I don't know, man. Marchenko's is more poised with the puck too. I honestly, I'd be surprised if we see uh, Marinchin in game two. I'd be really surprised. I mean, what's Babcock supposed to say after this post game? You know, Marinchin was garbage tonight. Um, didn't like his game. Like. I highly doubt he would say that to a player that hasn't played in a month and, quite frankly, is pretty soft. He's soft all the time, and it's just – I don't know. He said some similar stuff this year before he benched him, so I personally would be surprised. But another surprise to the defense was what Dave said earlier. Connor Carrico only playing – what was that? I think he finished with 14 minutes roughly. 1405, um, so yeah, 14 minutes. <laughs> I thought for sure Babcock was going to roll five guys tonight. We were going to see a bit of a rotation. And it was nothing but that. It was literally just the top two pairings, if you want to call them that. And that was it. Were you guys a bit surprised by that, too? Uh, no. It looks like he was doing his best uh, Coach Q impression. Because that's usually what uh, what Quinville does in the um, in the playoffs. Just rolls the top four, four defensemen. Again, if you want to call them that. But um, I guess also Carrick's lower minutes, I guess, could be could be uh, linked to the fact that he was with Mar- with Marinson on that bottom pairing. So I guess he didn't want you didn't really want to jumble the lines a little bit, just kind of keep it standard. But it definitely it's not a good look to have to have Carrick only play 14 minutes, considering the fact he's played so well this season. You know, I'm looking at his game logs. I'm looking at Connor Carrick. His his minutes have been up and down most of the season. So like he's played 11 minutes, 12 minutes, 17 minutes, 19 minutes. It's he hasn't had that consistent playing time. There was times where he was playing 20 minutes, 19 minutes, 18 minutes. So you're looking at, yeah, I guess those were the games with Riley. He's getting those top matchups. But I, I guess it's just all the matchups, like Omar said. I don't know. I, I think there's more to Carrick. I think he's better than what we've seen, I think, especially for what he did last year in the AHL playoffs where he was arguably the Marley's best player. I think there's more to him. I think he just needs the opportunity. I hope he starts to get more because he was so good down the stretch. Um, like, mind you, most of the Leafs' defense was pretty good down the stretch, but Carrick stood out playing with Riley. I think it was a huge boost for his confidence, and we actually saw his game grow quite a bit. Um, another part I found really interesting was how Babcock kind of gambled a bit in overtime when he deployed the fourth line with the third pairing, and obviously we saw the end result. It was a goal. It was a game winner. But... I was really surprised that he decided to do that. I know he loves to do that during regulation, like in the first three periods of play, but man, to do that in OT, that's that's a huge set of stones by him. Yeah, I know you have to get all four lines in in overtime eventually, especially in the playoffs because it's different. You know, you know, you have no three on three, you have no shootout, but the fact that the that the um, that line got hemmed in, got hemmed in the zone so much in the third period, it's pretty shocking how um how you put them out, especially with that bottom pairing. And and yes, you see you see the the consequences of that. So I don't know if it's just bad bad matching or you know bad timing, but I think definitely Babcock's gonna have to uh, readjust how he rolls his lines going forward. All how do you think of the fourth lines played, Dave? All I will say, people that are saying having those guys out in that goal makes it look bad on Babcock, but who got the goal for the Capitals? It was their fourth line. So, it's a matchup. You have to have trust in your fourth line. I'm okay with them being playing 12 minutes tonight. I am, actually. I think Brian Boyle is more than capable of playing 
12 minutes or more. Kapanen, I think, can play 11 minutes. We, we've already debated that he shouldn't be playing on the fourth line, and somebody else should be taking that spot. And I guess the problem is probably Matt Martin. People are not giving him enough credit of what he can do. That physical game. He he led the team with 10 hits tonight. Now, obviously, I don't know if that's 10 legit hits. That's just what NHL.com <laughs> is putting out. But Washington, the last game, the last time the Leafs played Washington, they were bruised. Like, they, they were intimidated physically. Having Matt Martin set the tone physically. Brian Bull didn't play the entire game against Washington the last time. We know he left the game. And... I look at the fact that Boyle Hat was 76% on the faceoffs. I know I sound like a Sportsnet analyst with the 76%, but <laughs> you can't ignore that, and you can't ignore that that line can play. It's capable of playing. You can. You have to deploy them. Now, in overtime, would I like to see them all the time over you know, Matthews, Bozak, Kadri? Probably not, and that's probably where the argument goes. Maybe not playing them at certain times. Maybe you try to roll the first three lines. Then you get the fourth line out there. I would I would say that's where the argument becomes legit. But saying you should not be playing the fourth line as much, I think you have to look at the way they're playing and what they're able to do. You're not asking them to play an offensive role. We discussed this. They are there to play the defensive matchup, set the tone physically. And if we're not expecting a goal from them, but if they get a goal, it's nice. Well, here's the thing, though. The Capitals fourth line was out there with uh, Orlov and Niskanen. Yep. So, I mean, that's a little bit more mm-hmm. defensively responsible guys to play with as opposed to <laughs> Maritzen and, and Carrick. <laughs> like, well, just saying that again, just, I'm just like, I'm puzzled. I would thought for sure Babcock would have put, like, Polak and Gardner. Well, it was. Thought, like, he always leans on those guys. It was Riley on that goal. I think it's just a change didn't happen, or I, I, I'm not sure exactly why Raleigh was out there, but you know, I, I agree on that part that maybe you, you don't put all defensive guys out there. Maybe you try to get a guy like Jake who can, you know, provide a little offense or something. But I guess in that, in that time, Babcock saw the fourth line for Washington going out. It'd be a good time to get his fourth line out, give the other guys a, a breather. Cause I mean, overtime is, is 20 minutes. It's not five minutes. So you have to, you have to manage your ice time, but, I, I think just picking at just that one decision, I don't think that's the exact reason why. Well, it's not the, the whole reason why things went the way they did. I think it's it's just nitpicking at finding ways to explain the loss. Yeah, I don't think it was the one reason they lost for sure. I just, I'm just more surprised. I know he's done that a lot this year, but I'm just more surprised that Babcock, given everything he's been through during his career coaching in the postseason, that he would, he would even try and get away with that. Is that yeah. I was just more surprised than anything. Yeah, I think it's a good point um, made up, uh, brought up by David. I think um, the fact that we saw that we saw off- offense by the bottom two, the bottom two lines. I think it kind of speaks to what the Leafs are going to have to do in the future to be able to be able to succeed in this series. Like the Matthews line looked good in the beginning. You know, Nylander had some uh, had some uh, two you know solid uh, scoring chances. Marner obviously scored the goal. Um, Gardner got the goal, but that was uh, that was from uh, Kadri's line as well. Um, I think the fact that though that down like later in the, uh, in the game that those two lines kind of seem to get shut down a bit. I think you're gonna have to get some con- contribution uh, contribution from those from those other from those other uh, 
lower lines. So maybe even though Babcock does want Boyle, Martin, and, and Kapanen to kind of you know, win face-offs and be gritty and win puck battles. I think it'd be good to have some con- to have some contribution from them as well. Yeah, I mean, the thing too is that Washington's top two lines, we've seen how dynamic and explosive they can be, so any scoring from the bottom six would be just a bonus. Because that's where you're going to have to attack Washington, like you guys are saying. Who else stood out to you guys tonight? Was there anybody else in particular that stood out? Well, I I, I wrote before the series that a guy like Marner was going to have to step up his play, and I liked Marner's game tonight. Could stand to shoot more. Obviously, he scored, which is good, but there's times, again, where he needs to shoot. Teams are going to know he wants to make a pass, so shooting a little bit more would be great. I thought that line was really good, especially James Van Riemsdyk. I mean, I think he did everything but score a goal tonight for the Leafs. He drove possession, had a team-high seven shots, it's not what you expect from from JVR, but he was great. Yeah, for me, he was phenomenal tonight. He was my guy. I mean, seven shots. Considering that a lot of those shots he takes don't come from the point, they aren't your little throw it on the net. Like those are legitimate shots. And in the postseason, where everything tightens up, that speaks volumes about how well he played. I mean, we saw him back in 2013 be one of these best players during that series against Boston. We won't go there. I promise. But he, he showed again tonight why he just comes up big in the postseason. And, you know, it, it makes you uh, – I'm not going to go down that road either about, say, his future value. Forget forget that. Forget that. He just, <laughs> yeah, he just played. Yeah, that's... I'm not up in that can of worms. <laughs> Who said out to you, Omar? Yeah, for me, um, James JVR definitely had a strong game. But I think also if you take away, obviously, the game-winning goal, which is hard to do, and uh, the game-tying goal, Anderson, you know, played lights out in the third period. Like that two on one stop on um from the Kuznetsov pass onto I forgot who it was, but that glove save on, on that was awesome, and that those kind of saves are what keep you keep you in the game and what what gets you to overtime, and as you know uh the longer the the game goes you know the you know the better chance you have to win and I think obviously if you look at um other games for example like Jake Allen the night before has a fifty game fifty save save game. You know, if you don't have your goaltender standing on his head and giving you a chance to win, then then it's over for you. So I think Anderson definitely had a strong game uh, besides those two little mishaps. Like when Fre- I remember when Anderson was playing with Anaheim, anytime Anaheim would lose a series, it was not because of him. He was their best player. He last you know, the last playoff series that he was with Anaheim, he played lights out and he came to play tonight. I mean, he's coming back from a concussion and what does he do? He lowers the boom on Brett Connolly with one of the nicest hits I have ever seen a goalie <laughs> lay behind the net. So he he came to play tonight. He was in the zone. He made a bunch of gloves, especially on Ovechkin. Uh, I mean, yeah, He besides JVR, I think he, he was the Leafs' best player too. I mean, and he has to be. I wasn't surprised with him, to be honest, because like you just said, he was always coming up big in Anaheim, and that's why they always had a controversy between, you know, who do you start? Him or Gibson? Him or Gibson? So, I wasn't too too surprised, but that glove hand was like I saw somebody tweet on Twitter that they were wondering if he stole the Blue Jays gloves, kind of like Space Jam, and was riding that tonight because he was catching everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. Can, Entering game two on Saturday night, though, um, what's one thing you each think the Leafs need to do in order to come away with a W and get a split? Get out um, of their old habits. Getting yeah. out of the habit of sitting back when you have a lead. They they continually do it. 
They did it the last time they played Washington where everyone's like, oh, my gosh, they're playing Washington. And then what happens? Washington comes back and they win in overtime in Washington again, which which is not fun. So, yeah, it's, it's not sitting back. I, I think the line that's going to have to be better if the Leafs want to win the next game or even go have go far in the series, it's going to have to be Austin Matthews line. They were, they weren't bad, but they weren't, I don't think they were up to what we've come to see them do. I think that line's going to have to play better moving forward. If the Leafs want any chance in the series, because you know, Washington's going to try to, they're most likely going to play better next game. This was not Washington's best game. I still don't think this was the Leafs best game. So, Game two might be might be even better. What do you think, Omar? I mean, I agree with Dave with Austin Matthews that that line was kind of pedestrian at best. And Washington said, Barry Trotz said after the game, you know, if the guys in the locker room didn't know what playoff hockey was or weren't ready for it, they're more than ready now. They're in it. So expect a different team game two. That's what he said after the game. So Yeah, it definitely kind of seems like uh, one of those, like, cartoon villain type of lines. Like, oh, you, like, you don't know what's coming. You know, um, so I think definitely, you know, the Leafs know what playoffs, what playoff hockey is, or at least they have an idea of it now. And I think they should do like they should start the game of how they started this one, you know, come out strong. They're like, even though uh, Washington had like a whole bunch of giveaways and turnovers and stuff, the Leafs took it to them in the first period. And that's what allowed them to get that two goal lead. And obviously they lost the lead. And so I think what they need to do is one, not get phased by by the spotlight. You know, they're just another team, which you have to keep telling telling yourself, you know, don't get don't get intimidated, Marinson. You know, play smart, play right, like it's written down in, in the locker room. And, you know, just just play your game, play with speed, score some goals and just don't don't turn the puck over. Don't make any mistakes because that's what's going to cost you, you know. And another thing I noticed, too, um, back in the regular season, uh, there was a goal, ironically enough, um, Martin Marinson was on the ice for it, where um, the team. <laughs> The team thought that the that the puck was going to be iced, and Marinson kind of let up on let up on the skates, and obviously it wasn't ice. And after the team ended up scoring, the two goals that Washington got were kind of based on assumptions. Goal number one, um, a stick breaks, so they assume the puck is going to go flying, and after then a missed assignment, and then Justin Williams taps taps the puck in to make it one nothing. Goal number two, I think I'm pretty sure the team assumes that that uh, Anderson has the puck. And then Nylander kind of lets Justin Williams get right past him, then it goes in. So I think you just have to be prepared, be ready, you'll be smart, and don't assume that that the play is over. Now keep playing until you hear the whistle. That's a really good point. I didn't even like realize that to be quite honest. Until you were saying it. Now like, I go back and think about the opportunities tonight like that. I'm like, yeah, you know what? That that did happen on a few occasions. For me, I know they only had one power play, but it was god awful. And that's oh. not very leaf like. Like we've seen this is a top five unit in the league this year. They get in there, they set up, they whip the puck around. Tonight, um, it looked like they were trying to learn how to enter the zone for the first time. Like it was like a breakout mosquito, major tight type team. It was it was funny to watch to be honest because it's so unleafs like. And tonight was, uh, yeah, old leafs, in just on the power play, specifically on the power play. So if they get another opportunity in game two, which in all likelihood they will, I hope it's just a lot more cleaner because. They're a lot better than what they showed tonight in the PP. And that's an area where if they're going to beat the Capitals, they're going to need to score on special teams. So I'm, yeah. I'm really hoping that'll be better. You want to talk about special teams? Are we going to talk about that almost waved off goal? What was that? I have no idea. 
I have no. I goal. mean, like after after the goal goes in, like usually when a team scores and the goalie's bumped, the goalie loses their mind. You know, they automatically they run to the ref, they start screaming, the players start waving their sticks, they start pointing up at the jumbotron, like what's going on. Garter shoots the puck in, and everyone's just hanging their heads, kind of looking around, like they knew it was a clean goal. And the fact that they're going to go to the center ice and wave it off, and then we have to challenge it, that's ridiculous. Like, this, like obviously it's good because this is what Coach's Challenge was brought up for. But imagine if that, imagine if we don't have that and that goal's waved off. Yeah, sure, it's one nothing, But that's a, that's a way different game than, than being up 2 nothing. And I think that's crazy. I still don't know why they call goal interference. I don't know what that guy saw. Like, nobody on Washington reacted and hope he was more mad himself. So I... I don't know. I'm still puzzled by that. And this is the one time where I know we were bitching about the replay the other night, but this is one of the times where it actually came in handy. Yeah, if you want to join on the Twitterverse, a lot of people think that Gary Bettman slipped in a little call. It's like, hey, uh, 2 nothing against Washington. Let's uh, let's keep it at 1. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that floating around. I was like, hey, do, you, do you even acknowledge that kind of stuff? I mean, I don't bother. Well, no, it's, don't a little, it's a little flat earthy, but I found I found it pretty funny. Hey, some guys think the earth is flat, just so you know. So, Jack. <laughs> I know he was joking, but come on. I don't know if Kyrie Irving was joking. Other guys did. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think they up. were joking. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll leave that there. Um, anything else you guys want to add before we get out of here? How many goals is Mar- is Matthews going to score next game? Ooh. That's a good prop. I, I mean, we can set the line at one. If he's going to score one, I'd be surprised if he scored. Mm, I don't even. That's tough, man. That's actually tough. Yeah. You know what? what? I think the score will be in game two. Game two? I think it'll. I, honestly, I think all these games are going to be one goal games. Me too. Honestly, I think so. I, I, I think at least maybe two more of them can go to overtime. Just because, like, like you said, like you said, um, Chris earlier, like this wasn't the, the least, uh, the least about best game. Same for Washington. And the fact that they got it to one to a one goal game, I think says says a lot. So, you know, if the Leafs can come up, if they can play well, if they can play like the way we've seen them, maybe Zaitsev can come back in game game two or three. Hopefully, I think they can make this a series. As for one, Austin Matthews will score. I can see him scoring at home. You know, with all the hype. Yeah, that could happen. Was, that's what I was thinking. But yeah, I'm just wondering who's gonna who's gonna step up and take a little more of an offensive. Because you can't expect the Marner, the Marner line to drive all the offense. I think you need the other two lines to kind of get in the groove offensively too. So that that's what I'm going to look for next game. Mm-hmm. I think Kadri's going to have a big game next next game. He's Just getting a little. He was going to yeah. He was getting a little rattled and all during this oh, game yeah. and stuff like that. But I think he I think he lives for these kind of moments. You know, I think he really likes playing in other people's buildings and shutting up the fans. So I can definitely see him stepping up and uh, having a more offensive role for the team. Well, if you didn't read my article, shame on you because I said <laughs> Kadri needs to be more physical. He needs to be more physical, and that's the type of hockey I think he excels in is the physical hockey. And he did have a bit of it tonight. My dad's like, it looks like he's the only guy hitting on the Leafs. Well, that's just my dad saying stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. I think he's he can have. I think he's a guy that has to dominate on both ends. And Trotz actually tried to get the backstrom line away from Kadri, so he's kind of respecting what Kadri's lineup could do with the matchup. So, 
I, I think if he gets a bit of an easier matchup, that may lead up to more offensive chances. But yeah, the power play has to has to fall into that. That's for sure. So, are you saying, Dave, that uh, Trot is respecting Kadri's authority? Um, <laughs> sure. I guess. I guess you could say that. <laughs> South Park, great show. Yeah, it is. I start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I, the South Park stuff kind of goes over my head sometimes. It's I haven't watched all of it, so. Ooh, <laughs> party foul! Right. <laughs> um, what do you guys got in game two? Give me a score prediction. Uh, I still think 4-2 Washington. I'm going to go 3-2 Leafs just because I think – but that that's a tough one, but I think it's going to be 3-2 Leafs. I think the Leafs could split. Uh, I hate doing this, but I'm, I'm going to say 4-3 Capitals. Yeah. They're, just, they're so tough to beat in Washington. Okay, continue, I hate saying it because the Leafs played so well. Continue to be Debbie Downers. That's fine. I'm not uh, even trying to be a different yeah, guy. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not even that. I think also um, also the, the Justin Williams uh, question, I think that kind of rattled him a little bit, right? Because obviously, like, mm-hmm. you know, Washington, they're built to win the Cup this year. And then in the first 10 minutes, they're getting dominated by a bunch of rookies. Like, let's be honest, it's it's, it's a rookie-based team. Yeah. So I think coming out, coming out in the next game, they're going to be like, hey, you know, they came out strong against us. You know, they shut up our fans. You know they had people questioning us for a little bit. Like let's not have, let's not have that happen again. So, but I also think the Leafs now understand that yeah maybe Washington didn't play their best game, but they can they can play with them. And I I thought of that going into I didn't think this was going to be an easy series for Washington, but I think seeing tonight's game, it's it, I think the Leafs are gonna they'll feel more at ease going into the next game. I think they'll be more settled in, but I, I think it's the same thing for Washington. And yeah. what Omar was just saying, man, Justin Williams, I, I don't believe for a second that he didn't go in that locker room and go, do you know what kind of effing question I just got asked? And started <laughs> blasting these guys. Yeah, I, I, Trotz kind of alluded to that, too. He said Justin Williams kind of lit a spark under the team, and he and he's very vocal. I, I can't remember the exact quote that I read, but it kind of sounded like that. He, he kind of gave that team a kind of a kick to the no-man's regions. Yeah, well, it makes sense, you know. Scores, scores the first goal, scores the second goal. So, he definitely, uh, you know, carried that team and and uh, got them that got them that two points. So, if the Leafs are gonna want to have a chance, they're gonna have to come out flying Saturday. Yeah, I think the start's gonna be huge. So we'll see how that goes. Until then, though, guys, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this uh, post game episode of the Toronto Maple Leafs podcast, brought to you by TipOfTheTower.com. As always, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Kranitz. You can follow Dave on Twitter at D underscore Morissuti. And you can follow Omar on Twitter at OLW93. Enjoy the game, guys. Until next time, take care. Sweden, William Nylander. The Knights, Mitch Barner. 